0: It is Mackling and McGarry on your Monday, and you just heard Sarah McCarthy talking about Taylor Swift at the Grammys. And I don't want to speak for you, Greg, but I know that uh, I used to go out of my way to watch all these things, especially the music awards. As much as I like movies, I always loved, particularly the MTV Video Music Awards. That was like my can't-miss of the year when I was a much younger guy and now I don't go out of my way to watch them. I don't know if that puts me in the old man yells at cloud <laughs> category or if I just got, I mean, I was, I was in bed super early last night, so it wouldn't have mattered, but
1: you probably would have watched curb your enthusiasm
0: instead anyway. Yeah. like that, that, that was on at nine o'clock, depending on which HBO feed you get. If you get them <laughs> both, the first one would have been nine, the second, 11 o'clock.
1: Yeah, I don't watch any of that appointment stuff anymore other than sports. And even this weekend, the biggest sporting event, the NHL skills competition, Friday night, Saturday night, the little mini tournament that is the NHL all-star game, those mini games, uh, three-on-three competition, look like fun, but I had it on in the background. I didn't go out of my way to watch that either. So I'm curious, you know, from the NHL's point of view, what's what their target demographic is when it comes to this all-star game and these skills competitions because my social media was pretty active on it and Nikita Kucherov of the Tampa Bay Lightning sort of, I guess, lit Twitter in particular on fire based on the fact that he did not try at all in one of the competitions and got booed by the fans in Toronto. For the fact that he did not try in one of these uh, passing competitions that's part of the skills comp on Friday night. So outside of that, I suspect had Kucherov not kind of done what he did or not do what he didn't do, (laughs) wouldn't have heard very much about the skills competition overall. So I'm just curious, is the NHL trying to attract new viewers with these things? Or are they trying to entertain their current fans? Because speaking as a current fan, I couldn't give a rep about the NHL All-Star Game and the All-Star Weekend. What about your boys? They took a peek at it. Yeah? Yeah, because yeah, when I was a
0: basketball fan as a teenager, I always paid, always watched the All-Star Weekend festivities, more so the skills stuff, the three-point sure. contest and the dunk contest. Those were can't miss. And I and I did enjoy the game, but I came to eventually realize like while this is a showcase of all of the best players, this it's not a game. Like they're not, not really they're not really trying all that hard. I mean it's a scoring it was a scoring onslaught even back then. Like, you know, now it's totally common to see 130 points minimum. On the scoreboard from one team, and the only time you saw that in the '90s was when the All Star Game.
1: Yes, yeah, that's fair. So, I'm just curious if you're a big hockey fan, did you bother? Did you forget about it? Did you purposefully not watch it, or did you purposely sit down and and take in the the festivities? It's cool because there were three Jets there: Rick Bonus, of course, as coach, and Connor Hellebuck, and and Kyle Connor representing the Jets, and that alone typically back in the day would have me glued to my TV. How much are they going to talk about Winnipeg? How much are they going to talk about the Jets? But you know what? Now it doesn't matter because, you know, we're in fourth place and, rocking and rolling. So, uh, Sean Monaghan, by the way, uh, for Jets fans, did uh, land in uh, Winnipeg over the weekend. First practice with the Jets. Cam Poitras has all sorts of uh, audio from Jets practice yesterday. And the other big news from the Jets is the fact that Mark Shifley is back Uh, looks like he's ready to go the jets are in pittsburgh tomorrow night so looks like they're going to have a full complement of of forwards and defensemen they've got some roster moves to make in fact so uh, lots of jets discussion as we make our way through the day on cjob
0: and our question of the day that currently resides at cjob.com has to do with the jets and that deal that was made on friday the question is would you like to see the winnipeg jets make another move before the trade deadline. 27% say yes, a big one. 22% say yes, a smaller one. And 51% say no, we're good. What
1: say you? I would love to see them make another move. They have the assets in terms of prospects. I don't want them. There's certain players on that list that are untouchable in my mind. I don't run the team, obviously, so it doesn't matter what I think but I would love to see the Jets. They have cap room to make another move, whether it's another forward or maybe a defenseman. That's a little bit bigger. I know Christian, I think it was Friday was taking a little bit of issue with John Shannon's assertion that maybe the Jets need to get bigger. Maybe they need to get tougher. The NHL has changed over the last several years, but I have to say, I think the Jets do need one more player that players on the other team are concerned about when it comes to taking liberties with their star players and their smaller players. Cole Perfetti is an example, takes a ton of abuse right now. It's basically Brendan Dillon and Adam Lowry who are going to take care of business. If you're taking liberties with players like Ehlers and, and Perfetti and some of your other Kyle Connor, uh, just to name a few. So I'd like to see the Jets, have, you know, they don't need to go out and get a goon, so to speak, but somebody with maybe a little bit of extra toughness, a Ryan O'Reilly type big guy that can also score. When, so, I'm not saying the Jets are going after just a player like that. So yes, Brett, I would like to see the Jets make another impactful move before the trade deadline.
0: Mackling and McGarry, as we've been telling you in Global News, a 29-year-old Winnipegger is in custody after allegedly assaulting a bus driver. Global's Ross Levitan has more.
2: Winnipeg police say they arrived to the intersection of Grassy and Lajamodier around 3.15 on Saturday and saw a male actively assaulting the bus operator. Investigators believe the suspect had demanded the victim to transport him to a street not provided by the designated bus route. When denied, they say the suspect became enraged and proceeded to assault the bus driver. The driver stopped his bus, activated emergency equipment, and opened doors to allow other riders the ability to get off safely. Once stopped, police say the suspect threatened to stab the victim. The suspect has been detained in custody. Ross Levitan, Global News. We'll
1: speak to the ATU just after seven o'clock this morning to get more information, find out what they can tell us about how this all went down. But Brett, I was on La southbound around this time on Saturday, and we passed the intersection of Grassy and Laj, and I'm looking, I could see this bus police vehicle, their nose to nose. First thing I thought was, mm, obviously, the police vehicle there, not good. Often it's a crash, right? So no alarm bells. But I'm also thinking that bus, I don't think I've ever seen a bus there. So that seemed odd. And for I'm usually driving when Jackie and I are together. I was in the passenger seat and I looked over and I'm reading the destination sign. And instead of the route and the route number and the destination, it's flashing basically emergency call police, call 911. So it was clear to me that there was an incident on that bus and the operator had done whatever they do. If there's a button or whatever that they press in order to alert uh, the public, uh, I need help here. And clearly they got some help. So I called Ross Levitan in the newsroom to say, hey, I'm seeing this. You might want to find out what's going on. So here we are on Monday morning. Yesterday, we got confirmation that this was a serious incident on this bus. We'll learn a little bit more, but... You know, uh, we just heard that we just heard that that uh, that tag for the University of Winnipeg. One of my boys, that's where he's planning to go in September to U of W, and uh, we want him to ride the bus. But every once in a while, these violent incidents take place on transit, and it has you, I think, double thinking your choices. It's the middle of the day on a Saturday in East Kildonan.
0: Fortier, not to put you on the spot, but you take the bus home. Do you ever feel um, unsafe, or at the very least, do you ever feel like you have to maybe just keep your head on a swivel?
3: Absolutely. Uh, even on Friday, was it Friday or Thursday when I was coming home, there was just a, a woman started screaming and yelling at the bus driver. Uh, it's like, don't hit the gas so hard. Don't hit the brake so hard. And she was screaming and yelling. He had to pull over. She got off. But, uh, you know, just you feel uneasy sometimes. Really do. And my, my auntie, she was... Uh, on her phone somebody jacked her phone right out of her hand ran off the bus
0: yeah that's so. right Remember you telling me that and yeah you know it, we, you you make a good point if somebody is is uh, in distress or is, is being loud it's one thing if you are outside see it all the time downtown Winnipeg people just start screaming uh, for whatever reason but that's outside but when you're in a in a moving box, on wheels, and there's nowhere for you to go, there's nowhere necessary for this person to go, unless you happen to be getting off the bus at the next stop, uh, it's unnerving, for sure. So you can feel free to weigh in at 204 6868 and you can read more on that story at cjob.com. But Greg, thanks for the perspective that you offered on that, what you saw on Saturday. I didn't know the buses had that uh, message on their, their signboard, so that's good to know. So this happened last night at the Grammys. Taylor Swift.
4: Taylor Swift set a record with her fourth album of the year win, the most of any artist ever. And she also kind of upstaged herself, announcing news she said she'd been keeping secret for two years.
5: My brand new album comes out April nineteenth.
4: So
0: first of all, first question. Sarah McCarthy, big Taylor Swift <laughs> fan, and uh did you know this album was coming?
5: No idea. I thought she was going to announce like a re record of like her older albums. So this was a shock. <laughs> I was watching live too. So I was like, oh my goodness.
0: So she wins the award. So you're mm-hmm. already excited. Yeah. And then she announces she's launching a new album. How excited did you, did you how high did your excitement level
5: jump? My, my heart skipped a beat for sure, a couple beats. <laughs> Yep. And I texted Globals Tegan Rasha. Did you hear? Did you hear? I texted all my all my Swifty friends, and they're like, oh, my gosh. Like, some don't have cable, right? So they're just waiting for the tweet or the That's X cool. or whatever. And, yeah, yeah, we got pretty excited.
0: Thank God. <laughs> What's it going to be called? The
6: Tortured Poets Society? Depar- or something?
5: Department, yes. The oh. Tortured Poets yeah, Department. There's, there's
6: one tortured poet that I know of. It's Taylor Swift. <laughs>
5: It's a hard
6: sell, right? It's a real hard sell. It was neat to see Celine Dion last night.
5: It was, yeah. It was good to see her come out. She hasn't been out and about much, right? Yeah, Yeah, not well at all, but
1: apparently she looked fantastic. Mm -hmm. Healthy was the word that uh, I saw several times on the social medias.
0: Oh, that's great. So then, at 204-780-6868, in light of the announcement of the new Taylor Swift album, which no doubt will be highly anticipated by Swifties around the world. And good. She is such a marketing genius. Like to make that announcement last night at the Grammys one week ahead of the Super Bowl where she likely will be there. She's going to be in Japan that weekend. But just given the time zones, she might be able to make it back in time for the game. Yeah, She's going to travel
1: in time. Essentially, yeah, to get to Vegas in time for kickoff it's
6: she's she's huge in wild. Japan, she's massive there, huge, yeah, yeah, her him and Ed Ed Sheeran is big there too, but Taylor Swift is all across the globe massive, so can you imagine that in
1: twenty fourteen Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift? Played IG Field together, or, yeah. uh, you know, now Princess Auto Stadium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, did he open for her? Yeah. He did, yeah. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. Opened.
5: Opened.
1: <laughs> Opened. Okay. So uh, we want to know for <laughs> you,
0: what was an album that, would, that you were highly anticipating its arrival? Or maybe it's one that already was out, and you just, for whatever reason didn't have it yet or couldn't get it. And then one day you finally said, I got to go get this and I don't care where I have to go to find it. Back in the days where you actually had to go out and buy it at a store rather than just pull up your music app and listen to, you know, three billion songs at your fingertips. 204 780 And let's go around the horn here. Why don't we start with Sarah McCarthy?
5: Well, I think I've talked enough about Taylor. So I'm going with another <laughs> album um, that came out in 2002. And now I was four years old at the time. So I was not listening to this music at the time. But, um this album by Avril Lavigne let mm. go her very first album it was I cu- I can't remember what year of elementary but we were all just talking at Reese's one day have you heard of this girl Avril Lavigne she's so cool she's so good and uh, this second single is what really sold people I think on her talent he was a skater boy she said you so, Skater Boy, her first one was complicated, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, she's going on her greatest hits tour. She's coming back to Canada Life Center, and that was back in 2002. So, I love it. What? Her. This, this song's song- from
0: 2002? It's yeah. Years <laughs> old.
5: Give me a Come break. on. Sorry, everyone. Wow. <laughs>
0: oh,
6: <laughs> so, yeah, she's
5: back this fall?
6: Uh, she doesn't look like she's aged a day. No. No. Sorcery. Oh my god, it was
5: 2002.
1: <laughs> uh, and uh, Billy Joe from Green Day. York. Lead singer from Green Day.
6: Neither one of them look as though they've mm-hmm. aged whatsoever. Cameron Poitras, what about you? I guess I was 11 when that came out, yeah. Um, <laughs> here's an album from a band I don't really listen to too much, but I was kind of rocking out to him when you mentioned this this morning. Um, me and my, my brother, my twin brother Shane, and my buddy Steven, um, we had to go get this album. It was coming out. We went to it's. I'll just play the song. It's not like it's some big mystery or anything like that. It's uh, Godsmack Four. Uh, we went to uh, we went to KP to the HMV there, and they didn't have it. They were sold out or whatever. Didn't have any available. Uh, so we drove all the way to St. Patel. My mom drove us, and we went and uh, got the album. And, uh, yeah, that was one I was waiting for for, for quite a while. I was a big Godsmack fan. First, first con- the Nickelback and, and Godsmack, the uh, first two concerts I ever saw. So. Cool.
0: Yeah. Did you hear that HMV is coming back to Canada? Yeah, Come on. Yeah, they're, they're- going to be uh, <laughs> opening in Toys R Us locations throughout the country, starting, oh, so starting like in a, Ontario. So
6: like
1: a boutique yeah. within the store. Great. That's pretty cool. All
3: right. Forte, what about you? Last summer is uh, when this album came out And I was looking forward to it And when I started listening to it I was like, uh, I don't know if I really liked it or not But uh, it is Avenged Sevenfold Life is But a Dream Okay. And so I put it on and I went for a bike ride And listened to the whole thing And I got home and I was like, I don't know I, like, I prefer their old stuff so much better it is, like, It's a good album But uh,
6: I was just a little underwhelmed
3: Did it ever grow on you?
6: no not really
0: yeah
3: oh <laughs>
6: well, that's just, interesting you know I, I'm kind of weird if I really like an album so much I w- will then stop listening to that artist I won't listen to anything new that they do because mm. I don't want to ruin that album so I just stop listening and people tell me once not you listen to a new album come up nope don't listen to it it's like my Spongebob rule I don't go past season 3 of Spongebob because <laughs> it's no good <laughs> The Office season 4 I don't know any other episodes
0: hey you've got you're a man of conviction I'm a man of
1: conviction I have my beliefs and Greg
0: Mackling what about you <laughs>
1: Well, I, um, huge Van Halen guy, of course, when David Lee Roth left Van Halen, it was heartbreaking, uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, David Lee Roth came to Winnipeg, Eat 'em and smile tour was really good, but what we were really waiting for came in 1986, Sammy Hagar with Van Halen. What was go- it going to sound like? And when these notes first played, my brother, Kevin and I looked at each other my god, they're even better with Sammy Hagar than they were with David Lee Roth. They just, they were, they're two separate bands, and when 5150 came out, I forgot all about David Lee Roth for about five years. 204-780-6868,
0: what is an album that you were eagerly anticipating, you were super excited, whether it was still on its way. Or whether it was already out and you just hadn't found the time or hadn't gone out to get it yet. And maybe you went on an adventure like me, trying to find it. Somebody in Winnipeg's got to have this thing. Tell us your story for a chance to win. We've got two prizes today. Either you can win Dinner and a Movie at the Met, A Star is Born, or Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra's Cirque Symphonique. Winner will choose, runner-up gets the other prize. We'll pick our winners at 9.15. 6.57, Sarah's got your news, next. It is Mackling and McGarry. In a moment, we'll speak to the Transit Union about that assault on a bus on Grassy over the weekend at 735. We will hear from City Councilor Matt Dillard on the state of our city's sidewalks. But before that, just as it pertains to the weather out in Halifax, you know, on Friday we had uh, our super fancy 680 CGOB Breaking News Groundhog Action Center News Desk. Yes. And this Rick and Cook's
1: Creek has pointed us to something with kind of a similar name. Yeah, so this is from his son, lives north of Halifax, uh, measuring snow depth by beer cans... Rick asserts that should be a Manitoba thing. This from Sober Island Brewing Company, their Facebook page. For those following the official Sober Island Brewery Brewing Deck Rail Snow Tracker, here's today's update. We are just over five beer cans high, enough to fit the entire beer family. It seems to be moving outwards. We will continue to track... Progress.
0: That's great. So thanks for sharing that. And then Ed says, "Guys, uh, leaving for Florida today. Hoping Winnipeg gets hit with a snowstorm while I'm gone." We've heard a lot of people say that they they, they go and they take their hot trips, but they feel cheated.
1: They're not missing any bad weather. So yeah. Ed, uh, here's a raspberry for you. But we know you're not alone in feeling like, hey, if I'm going to go away, I might might as well be missing something dramatic and unseasonably cold versus what we're getting right now.
0: All right. But right now we want to continue to talk about how a 29-year-old Winnipegger is in custody after allegedly assaulting a bus driver. Winnipeg police say they arrived to the intersection of Grassy and Lajemodier Boulevard around 3.15 Saturday afternoon, where they witnessed a male actively assaulting the bus operator. Once stopped, police say the suspect threatened to stab the victim – He has been detained in custody.
1: Investigators believe the suspect demanded the victim uh, to transport him to a street not provided by the designated route. Anytime a worker's safety, Brett, is threatened, it's bothersome. Let me rephrase that. Um, It actually gets me angry, particularly when it's essentially predictable that at some point in one's career that they're likely to face something like this violent Incidents on transit been on the rise over the past several years. was digging up some numbers. 2022 saw 104 such reported incidents. And as of October of 2023, last year, there had been 91 such events. Chris Scott is president of the Amalgamated Transit Union 1505, joins us this morning. First of all, Chris, thank you for this. Can you tell us how the operator is doing?
7: Uh, Well, I mean, the operator is doing as well as uh, can be expected. Uh, We'll be reaching out to the operator uh, as we do with uh, all our our members when they're uh, subjected to acts of violence, whether directly or indirectly in the course of their duties.
3: So the
1: police, we just shared their version of what they believe happened. What do you know? Do you know anything different than that that you can share with us this morning?
7: Well, um, based on the information we have received, uh, the employer uh, informs us anytime there's act of violence that affects our members. Um, he was traveling in, in the area on a Route uh, 44 bus, but the assailant uh, wanted to get to capel Avenue, which the 44, even when it's downtown, doesn't travel uh, anywhere near. The 44 travels down Graham, and Capel is on the north side of uh, Ellis. So he was clearly on the wrong bus wherever he it is that the the uh the assailant boarded and the operator was just doing their duty telling the uh passenger that this route can't get you there you're going to have to take an the other route or, or maybe a combination of routes to get there faster
0: So in terms of the procedures, the operator engaged to not only alert police there was an issue, uh, but it sounds like this was not an empty bus. So what can you tell us about, you know, when passengers were able to get off?
7: Well, this is always one of our biggest fears. Uh, An operator being assaulted while uh, driving down the road, um, depending on the uh, seriousness of the, the first impact of the assault, The bus could go careening anywhere. In that area, there are ditches, so uh, several people could have been injured very badly, and uh, I commend the operator for, while protecting themselves from being assaulted, they had the wherewithal to stop the bus, secure it, and open the doors so that their passengers would be safe.
1: I, now I've witnessed, uh, the aftermath quote unquote of this myself. Uh, and I have to tell you, I was shocked cause I'd never seen Chris. I knew that the signs could, could, you know, be the destination sign, the digital sign at the front of the bus could alert the public to the fact that the, that the operator was in distress. But of course I'd never seen that with my own two eyes. Can you just tell us a little bit about how that worked, that, that system works?
7: Uh, Yeah, when the operator uh, activated the silent alarm, which is equipped in every bus, um, that activates the outside signs, which is something that was hard fought for by one of our uh, former full-time officers and finally got that implemented, Um, as well as it cuts off all radio communication with the fleet. So all that can be uh, heard is what is happening on that one bus.
0: So how do you feel then? you know we're just a few days away from the launch of the transit safety team can this come soon enough uh
7: well soon enough would have been last year sometime obviously ideally or or even before that um we have been working with the city implementing steps of measures trying to see what it's going to take to have a safe transit system there were shields installed there are cameras installed there was an increase in the inspectors uh, walking the the streets downtown, and now we're up to the point where we're having these transit security officers. Many of my members are still calling for uh, a transit-dedicated um, Department of the Police. But we've got to be careful going down that road.
1: Elaborate on that. Why do why do we have to be careful in your mind, Chris?
7: Well, many citizens of the city don't respond well to seeing authority figures such as the police uh, imposing on their life. Um, yeah, they appreciate the police showing up uh, when they're needed, and it would be great to, to have the police available to react to these uh, instances of violence, but having them uh, implemented into uh, the bus um, every day uh, would be overwhelming to a lot of our passengers.
1: Two quick questions. Uh, when that silent alarm is sounded, where does it go again? Who, who gets the report? Do, do police get immediately notified that there's a situation on a bus?
7: Um, that is the responsibility of those uh, that are working in control center. The silent alarm is activated. Radio communication is cut except for the one bus directly to control center. They listen to what's going on. And then contact uh, police from that point, and and try to relay to them whatever it is the operator can relay to uh, control center.
1: All right. And with regard to you know uh, the the WPA has grieved the idea that that police are not were not hired for the safety patrol. How do you feel about that?
7: Uh, I mean, well, the police have uh, uh, their responsibilities. Um, they've got to look out for their bargaining rights. Um, it's been deemed to be a QP position. Uh, so CUPE is obviously going to defend and fight for their bargaining rights. Our primary concern is the safety of the service and the safety of my members.
0: All right. We will leave it there. We thank you very much for your time this morning, Chris. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Chris Scott is president of the Amalgamated Transit Union 1505. And you can read more on this story at cjob.com. It is Mackling and McGarry. Coming up at 9.35, we're going to be joined by one of our colleagues down the hall, at Power 97, who's a huge wrestling fan, because something happened on Friday at SmackDown that could take what's already a big event, WrestleMania 40, which is coming up in April, and make it a huge, huge mainstream event by involving The Rock, but it seems like the fans are not happy about this, the WWE fans. And there's all kinds of confusing stuff that came out of there. So we won't get too deep in the wrestling weeds. I see this more as a personnel big time story, as opposed to, you know, I don't want to get too wrestly,
1: for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah. This is a media story, right? Yeah. To a certain extent. And it's also the story of, of storylines. We, we appreciate storylines and, Uh, Can you bring back that recurring character once too often? Might be part of the discussion here as well.
0: So we'll get into that at 9.35 with Ed from Power 97. But that's sports entertainment. Let's talk some sports because the NHL All-Star Weekend has come and gone. The Jets have a new face in the fold, and
1: we are less than a week away from the Super Bowl. I don't know what number it is, Brett. 58 or something. I don't know. I can't read those roman numerals officially. like lviii L- I- I or yeah, whatever it is yeah, maybe is that 58 anybody know i think it's 58 jim toth co-host of jets at noon joins us now master of uh sports conversation is it 58 toth
8: well, brett McGarry and greg Macklin, you don't know you don't care you don't want to need to know what the number is for the super bowl the rock tells you to talk wrestling you talk wrestling
0: <laughs> do you want to talk some wrestling jim
8: no, I don't, actually. I never watch it, but I do get a kick of the Rock. So. That was pretty good. That was good. Um, yeah, I tried. It's probably very bad, so don't worry about that. I think it is 58, yes.
1: Okay, we'll go with 58. <laughs> it's twenty. It's okay. the 2024 Super Bowl. Get with, like, come on, NFL. You're right. So the only snobby. one I get really
8: excited about is Super Bowl 20 whenever it's on ESP Classics. And other than that, I, whatever, it's Super Bowl something. Here we go. But uh-huh. I, I understand. I've talked to some friends in Vegas, and uh, the whole, uh, they call it the Death Star, the, the arena where – the the Las Vegas Raiders uh, play, and it's uh, started some uh, I guess some animosity because their biggest rival, one of their biggest rivals, the Chiefs, uh, are painted all over their building oh as are the San Francisco Forty ers It's all ready to go. They've had it up for for about a week now. I'm told in Vegas, and uh, they say that uh, I remember my first NFL game in Kansas City was against the Raiders, and the Raider fans had come on come in on Friday night, and they were everywhere. So it's 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 kind of a a stick in the the side of the Raiders fans to have the chiefs all over their building.
1: Yeah. Those, those rivalry games, my chiefs uh, game experience in KC was the Broncos. So similar thing, just, you know, they're, they're hated. Uh, Leah Hextall, uh, was, was visiting with us last Wednesday. We wanted to know, some ideas in terms of, of targets that the Jets might have on their radi- on their radar with regard to adding to uh, their forward core in particular. And I demanded names, and Leah Hextall said, well, Sean Monaghan's a name, and I think you might see him as a Jet. Lo and behold, Friday we find out Sean Monaghan is now a Winnipeg Jet. What do you think?
8: Yeah, no, Leah was bang on, and, and I, I was talking about Sean Ronaghan for about a month now, and, and I like the fit too, and, and I had some pushback from some fans about a month ago when we started talking about trade um, acquisitions. Obviously, Lindholm was the prime prize. I, I think he would have been spectacular here, but unless you can re-sign him, which I hear they're asking Calgary, was $9 million plus. That just doesn't fit with the Jets, and I look at the deal with the, the Canucks, and I I think, well, good for them if they can re-sign him, but they can't fit that in either, so it's a pure rental That's why it kept circling around to Monaghan because it's a first-round pick and a conditional third if they win the Stanley Cup. So um, I think that's a price the Jets fans would happily pay if they won the Stanley Cup. And if not, it's a first-round pick. And I think it's a great fit for the Winnipeg Jets and why I was on it from the get-go. And a lot of people were talking about his injury history and some other things. But to me, guys, there's two things this this great Jets season um, is having. There's two things that they struggle with. It's the face-off circle and the power play. And Sean Monaghan is very, very good at both of those. He He's very good um, on face-offs, I believe, just by the trade. He's already the Jets' highest percentage guy this year. He's 55%. Um, he's excellent on the power play on the face-offs, and I think penalty-killing-wise, he's 34-34 in the face-off circle. So it addresses their two biggest needs. He's very good on the power play. He's great in the face-off circle. And the other thing he does well is forecheck. The, the statistics show that he's a great forechecker, and that's Rick Bonus's system, right? Like when this forecheck is going and causing turnovers, and they get out of their zone and get on the, the other team, that's what Sean Monaghan does well. So... Um I, I was surprised that the price went up to a first round pick. I thought they could get him for second and a prospect or just a second and maybe a fourth. Um but then you know, since we've been talking about him the last three weeks, he's gone on more than a point per game run. So I think it's a great acquisition and more importantly I was told last year at the deadline, I kind of saw the contracts and thought maybe Shifley and Hellebuck wouldn't be here after this year and thought they should have gone for it. And I was told by some some people after that the Jets will never trade a first-round pick, that that's the one way they can ensure that a player will be here for seven to eight years. They don't do well in free agency. It's hard to get guys to waive their no-trades so that they would just never trade their first-round pick unless they felt they had a legitimate shot to win the Stanley Cup. So it's great to have Monahan here. I think he fits and checks a couple of boxes, but it also says to me that Kevin Cheveldeo, Mark Cheveldeo and the organization feel they have a legitimate shot at the Cup this year.
0: Jim, what's your take on the All-Star weekend? Is it good marketing or a waste of time?
8: Uh Gary, let's talk wrestling again. <laughs> um, I don't like it. I, I just, I think it's a waste, um, but it's not for me. It's for the kids and it's for the fans. Now, I will say I enjoyed this one a little bit better, but I really lost me when, and, and this is no discredit. I love Alex Ovechkin, but when he was putting on the hat and the shades and he's using two sticks and skating backwards, Guys are coming out in costumes. That's just not for me, right? Like, I like the skills competition. I like to see who's the fastest. I like to see who has the hardest shot. I think they did a really good job by moving it to three-on-three, so we didn't have to watch a five-on-five game where it was 17-13, to and the guy who had nine points in a game and five goals got a truck. Um, It's just not hockey to me. Right. And and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm I'm fine if that's the fan. So I don't really like it. I thought they did a better job this year. I thought, I thought they appealed to both adults and fans of the game as well as kids. I I thought they mixed that in quite well this year. So I do give them credit for that, but I'm indifferent. I mean, I don't, I I like Will Arnett. I don't care if he's coaching a hockey team and the three on three and all that. So I paid attention because there were some jets. I was really happy for Rick bonus after all these years to get into it. But I'm indifferent, Brett. Right? If they went away and never had another All-Star game, I'd be fine with that. And if they want to keep having it and making this big event for kids to come out and see their favorite players, I think that's great too, whatever.
1: I didn't ask you, and I haven't asked you yet. This is a brand new question. Who else might the Jets go after? I want names, Toth. <laughs>
8: Well, I think, look, they were in on Lindholm. I I was told that, you know, when Vancouver upped the ante last Wednesday and Craig Conroy said that he visited with some other teams, I think it's fair to say that Boston, Colorado, Winnipeg were some of the other teams. And I don't blame Kevin Sheveldea for backing off when it got to that high. I thought that was an extremely high price to pay for Elias Lindholm. Um, compared to, you know, Sean Monaghan that isn't Lindholm, but don't get me wrong, he checks the boxes. But I, I think they're in on all the names. I think they're in on Chris Tanev. I, I think they're going for it this year. I think they understand that for the next two to three years, um, until Kyle Connor and Nick Eilers contract's up, they have a really great chance here to do some damage and, and make a cup run. Um, so I, I think they'd be in on the Chris Tanevs of the world uh, as a defenseman, um, uh, and I think that they would still be trying to get guys like that to re-sign them um but i also think they have they're, they're in a great situation they have a little bit of cap space left a couple mil but they also are, are loaded with draft picks and uh, well not loaded after the first round but they have draft picks but they have a ton of prospects and that's the thing with boston and colorado when they're big game hunting um they don't have the depth uh, asset wise that the jets do so they've already sent out a first round pick so that's gone but you know, I think they could they could send some prospects and players. To me, if you're looking at Chris Tanner and Calgary and you look at what Vancouver gave them, yes, there's two picks involved, but there was three assets. The Jets have assets. They have too many forwards right now. They have a plethora of defensemen on the blue line and really good up-and-coming ones. They lost Declan Chisholm. They still have Ville Hainola. They still have Tyrell Bauer. Um, I, I think they'll be in on all the names, but it will be a fit. Like It'll be a fit like Sean Monaghan, where I, I think if Monaghan went to some other teams... I don't know if the system would be for him or not. This is a perfect fit for Sean Monahan. I'm excited to see what he does. But I think they'll be in on all the names, the Chris Tannins of the world. Um, and then don't be surprised, guys, if if it's not another Paul Stasny that wasn't on the board a couple of years ago and, and had a no trade and, and all of a sudden he's coming to Winnipeg. I think Kevin Chevaldeoff is always looking for not just this year but next year. And if there's a move out there that another team needs a Ville Hainola or another team needs somebody, I I think they'll look at it.
0: And before we go here, Jim, we got about 90 seconds, but uh, Super Bowl lead-up, what are you looking forward to?
8: Well, I mean, it's always a wild week. I, I used to like the All-Star game, not like the week prior because I thought it was a lot of <laughs> gong show stuff when much music or uh, some station in Japan would show up and ask him what their favorite fish was. Um, but again, I'm I'm going to watch the game anyway. The lead-up for me is, is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, his dad was just arrested on the weekend, unfortunately, uh, for a, uh, DUI in Texas um so i don't know if that's going to be a distraction or not but i'm i'm a guy that i totally respect the chiefs because this is a a historic run we're witnessing but they also annoy me um they they keep winning times where i think they're beating better teams baltimore was a better overall team this year and they handed it to him so for me the storyline is can san francisco's defense get better and is this another legacy game? If they if the Chiefs win another one, and I kind of favor them this year, this week, um, this is historic stuff you're watching, and and what Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid is doing, um, this is a historic run. If they get a third Super Bowl championship, you have to start talking about Patrick Mahomes like you do about the Joe Montanas and and maybe even the Tom Brady's. There's a ways to go there. But in order to get there with those conversations around this team and Patrick Mahomes, you have to win this third one. So if they win the third one, I think you can start talking how good and how much more can this team win.
1: Christian McCaffrey and uh, Brock Purdy going to have something to say about that. 848, well, I mean, Jim, Jim got to go. Right? Got to go. I got thing, the last right? word, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> Jim, Toth, Jim Toth joining us live on 680 CJOB. He's co-host of Jets at Noon and the host of the Jim Toth show, and of course, another thing to, to watch out for as we head towards the Super Bowl is, you know, the uh, the fact that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey
1: are going to push an endorsement for Joe Biden. Oh yeah, it's all a conspiracy, Brett. This has been planned for years. The way this is all—it's all scripted, man. <laughs> so
0: we're asking you this morning: What's an album? You were eagerly anticipating its arrival. Just announced yesterday at the Grammys, Taylor Swift says she's releasing a new album on April 19th. Came as a surprise and a shock to Swifties around the world. So no doubt they are excited for April 19th. And Greg, what does Gail have to
1: say? Well, Gail says when Michael Jackson's Thriller came out, I was close to first in line to get it. I grew up with the Jackson fine. I'm the same age as Michael says. Gail, so I had heard it was a great album, and I really wanted it badly. Uh, Gail goes on to tell us that uh, she lost all her albums in uh, their house fire years ago. Ah,
0: oh, that sucks.
1: Yeah, the, the record albums. We talk about the soundtracks to our lives, and uh, those record albums. Were you a, were you an LP guy, Brett? Did you did you buy vinyl once upon a time?
0: Uh, I, th- I think I would have gotten vinyl as a kid, probably more as gifts. Okay. Like uh, this was in our house. I remember getting Twisted Sister Stay Hungry on vinyl in grade two. And I got <laughs> yes. uh, Hall and Oats Big Bam Boom on vinyl. I guess that would have been grade one. Uh, but so I did have some LPs, but they kind of went away over the course of my childhood and into my adolescence.
1: I just loved the LP, you know, just its size, the artwork, the liner notes, everything that came with opening and either receiving or purchasing a brand new album. We were talking about some of the places that we would go to get those records or tapes or CDs, whatever generation you were in the, the record baron over by my Grammys house in uh, in River Heights over at Keniston and Grant was always a go-to for me. I didn't know there was a record baron in your neck of the woods.
0: Yeah, there was a record baron on in Transcona at Regent and Rougeau, so the southwest corner where you might know it as where the byway once was, once upon a time. There's an RBC front and center, which used to be Clancy's, which used, used to be Mother's. There's a liquor store in there. There's a foodie-goody in there. There's a cannabis place. But, uh, yeah, there used to be a record baron in there. And some, two of the guys who worked there would come over and see us at Taco Bell all the time at 1536 Regent, which is now a credit union. So it worked, it worked out well because we'd give them a deal on the tacos, and they'd give us a deal on our music. I bought The Watchmen, uh, their first album, there, McLaren. McLaren's
1: Furnace room. room? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I bought that from those guys. Ugh. That's a gooder. Yeah, that was a great album. Woo! That was a great album. I bought it for them from them on cassette, and then I eventually went back and bought it from them on compact disc once I had upgraded my stereophonics to the CD in the meantime. Stereophonics. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's the right word to use in this context. Doesn't matter.
1: Does I it? think it's great, and I think it will henceforth be called Stereophonics in my house.
0: But uh, keep those coming, an album you eagerly anticipated for a chance to win. We've got tickets either for a dinner and a movie, a night at the Met, to see A Star Is Born, or Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra's Cirque Symphonique. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. It is Mackling and McGarry. In our next segment, we will pick our winning story on which album were you once upon a time eagerly anticipating and why. On the heels of the news last night at the Grammys that Taylor Swift, the biggest star on planet Earth, is releasing a new album on April 19th. The... That means she's
1: been working on this. She's been working on this and on tour.
0: Yeah. I'll throw Like, where did she have time for this? Incredible. She's a machine. And I know, of course, a lot of people are in it. Just, just quickly... On the, the whole, the, the, like, she's on TV every week in the NFL, cheering on Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. And I know that there's a pocket of the NFL fandom who doesn't like it. And I don't understand what the big deal is. She's on TV for,
1: what, 60 seconds a game? Last week, I don't know if it was Colin Coward or somebody else uh, that I pay attention to put a stopwatch on how long she was on the screen for the AFC championship game. It was 32 seconds. Oh, what's even the big deal? even even with all the stuff on the field and everything, right? You you conflate sometimes what you see on the TV with what you're seeing in your social media because so many of us are watching the game and scrolling Twitter or X and Instagram at the same time, right? So it's like, no, she was on the TV screen for 32 seconds.
0: Okay, all right. So I'm sure we'll get more into that as the week progresses, as we march our way towards the Super Bowl. But right now. March might not be the word you can use if you want to go for a walk outside in Winnipeg, depending on who you talk to. Now, at 7.35, we spoke to City Councilor Matt Allard from St. Bonavus, who says the city, we can do better at cleaning the sidewalks. And he pointed to a number of injuries that happen, and says a lot of people get hurt because they're, out walking on these slippery sidewalks, and these are injuries that could be avoided. And I asked him not to be flippant. I said I'm not trying to put light or make light of any of these injuries. And as somebody who walks home, trust me, I have almost lost it, almost bought it several times this winter so far, particularly trying to cross the Osborne Bridge. But it is winter, and winter slippery. So Councillor Allard said this.
2: Sure, but it's also less... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's slippery in the winter, sure, but it's also less slippery in the winter in other cities. When, you, when, you do, when you've done as much research as I have, because I think I had uh, three of those motions panned to do a, a, a plow-to-concrete pilot project in places outside of downtown, I did a whole lot of research. Legal, uh, engineering. I know that if you get the right plows, you get the right combination of sand and salt you are not slipping on city sidewalks. And you know, the irony of that situation with, with, uh, with that friend of a friend I talked to that, that broke uh, her ankle in three places, is if that person had been driving a car, all of the in-kind costs would have been covered. Physiotherapy, uh, loss of employment, all of that, that's insured. But if you're walking on the sidewalk in the winter, you're taking your life, you're taking your income in your own hands. And what's frustrating for me is that I know it's possible all it takes is for city council and the public service to take it as a priority and get the right equipment get the right sand get the right salts it is totally doable i know that it can be I, can, I know it can be done go on youtube you've got ice crushers you've got uh, snow blowers that can blow ice right off of a of a concrete surface if there's a will there's a way there's a will with me that is the context of those nine seconds. And, um, you know, I think it's also indicative of the type of attitude we have uh, at times at City Hall about, uh, about clearing sidewalks. And some people forget that um, some people need to use sidewalks. Some people do have mobility issues. Some people are writing on my Twitter. They're stuck all winter because they use wheelchairs and they don't feel safe. Counselor, is that the type of city we want to live in? There's solutions. Let's get them done.
1: Okay, so Madelard mentioned that nine seconds of uh, audio from Janice Lukes. Just want to play that for you real quick here.
5: Honestly, we're a snow city and I think we're doing, I think sometimes we get a little spoiled from the incredible work we're doing and we want it instantaneously.
1: So how do you feel about it? Is it incredible work? I know Janice Lukes uh, wrote something and shared on her on her Facebook page, something called the trough effect that happens. This is mostly in residential areas, Brett, where you have a buildup of snow on both sides of the sidewalk. And then when it gets warm as it's been, and that snow begins to melt, the water inevitably collects on the concrete on the sidewalk. And that's how you end up with ice. But in the downtown area, Everything's supposed to be cleared out, right? They get rid of those snow banks so that there's a place for But the the downtown sidewalks have been incredibly icy as well, well after we have had a snowfall. Christy,
0: listener Christy says, I'm able-bodied and I work and live downtown and I walk to and from work and I've had to use spikes on my boots a few times this year. Often the downtown sidewalks are impassable for people with mobility issues and this enrages me. I was in St. B this weekend, and the sidewalks and places are absolutely treacherous. If I end up retiring here, I'm resigned to the fact that I will be a prisoner in my home for likely most of the winter because this quote-unquote winter city keeps making lazy excuses for their lackluster efforts at clearing roads and sidewalks. Christy says do better.
1: So uh, Christy referencing uh, St. B, I like to stop more often than I should at the fromagerie on Provence right? That's a Bothwell cheese has their yep. fantastic shop there. Well, I can tell you well, how long is the last time we had any measurable snow two weeks that we've had any snow yeah. been melting for at least 10 days. Now there are snow banks there still on what should be a priority. One, one of these areas of the city that's being promoted as a retail district It's very walkable. They spent, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars replacing the sidewalk on that South side of Provence last summer. And it was closed for, for months and months. The merchants there had to deal with that. And then now there are these snow banks. Now that it's been plus temperatures for the better part of a week. I don't know. I, I just feel as though this isn't a priority in a lot of respects as good as it can be. It's not a priority.
0: And one final thought here from Kat and Gimli, who says, we need to get more people to come downtown. We need people to use transit more. We hear this all the time, but asking for cleared sidewalks is being spoiled and having unrealistic expectations. It's a good point, Kat. Why would you want to take the bus if you know once you get off it, you can't walk on a clean sidewalk? It is Mackling and McGarry, and we're asking you at 204-780-6868. Is this the song we're about to discuss here, Forte? I believe so. I hope so. I hope got, I got it right. We've got tickets for dinner and a movie at the Met to see A Star is Born on Wednesday, February 14th, or tickets for the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra's production of Cirque Symphonic on Sunday, February 25th. And we're asking you about an album that you eagerly anticipated. And Uliana, our runner-up here, Greg. And uh, this one is
1: right in your wheelhouse, right, KISS? It does. I was at the same concert tour in 1988 as Uliana. She says, this story goes back to 1992. My brothers and I were huge KISS fans growing up. We saw them live in 88 for the Crazy Nights tour. I was only 11. We were devastated in 91 when Eric Carr, their drummer, died and had no idea what this meant for the band. I was home alone watching much when the VJ announced, coming up, the new KISS video. In a mad panic, I grabbed a blank VHS tape and pressed record. A total departure from what we were used to, including a blonde drummer. I, when I my brothers got home, I showed them the video and we waited for the Revenge album to come out. The video was unholy. Okay, I sort of remember this,
0: but not really. Probably because I, even as I listened to this off the air, I thought, yeah, this isn't one of their best efforts. But that's a neat story, Juliana, so thank you for sharing that. But our winner today ties into a, a an album that I remember the anticipation for this album, not felt by me per se, but by a lot of my friends. This listener says the album I was excited for was Pearl Jam... Vitology. I remember hearing it was being released on vinyl Two weeks before it was released on cassette and CD So I bust my way downtown to Music City And I bought it, paying with all loonies And when I got home, I dug out my mother's record player And I listened to it over and over and over and over again Kicking off a love of both collecting vinyl and Pearl Jam collectibles And I even taped it for anyone who wanted a copy before the CD release, that's right, boys. Oh, I was a bootlegger. Oh my! Trying to channel some George Costanza, there. Not <laughs> sure if I succeeded, but yeah, that was huge. And I'd be my follow-up question to this listener because I think it was right around that same time that Pearl Jam started releasing like just like
1: CD copies of their live gigs. Yep, they were one of the first to do it, I think, uh, because that would be a popular sort of. Uh, Thing that I would like like that I would do when I was in uh, smaller independent record stores would be to try and find these bootleg copies of. A lot of times the concerts came from Japan, Mm -hmm. and it was just something that yeah, if you could get this was something that was known out there that you get a bootleg of their concert. Well, Pearl Jam said, "Nah, you know what? We're going to start releasing these things."
0: And it did when one
1: of my buddies had them all. they like? Didn't they release like fifty? Yeah. Well, they have a Pearl Jam station on Sirius FM. And they play the live stuff all the time. Cool. All the time.
0: So congratulations. You win, and that means Uliana is the runner-up, so the winner will choose the prize, and Uliana will give you the runner-up and get the other one. It is Mackling and McGarry. We're going to check in with Hal Anderson in our next segment to find out what's coming up on Connecting Winnipeg. But...
3: Right, and by the way, what are we listening to right now your Forte? Because it's kind of funky. This is The Weekend Gasoline. I believe it's the uh, WrestleMania 40 theme song. Oh!
0: We'll get our guest to confirm that in just a moment. Because before that, you may have heard of this guy. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. No, that music is not even close to his current theme song. But it's my favorite from the late 90s. And he's, look, he's one of the biggest stars on planet Earth. Of course, he got his beginnings as a star in World Wrestling Entertainment, or WWE. Went on to be a big movie star, but he still makes the occasional appearance in wrestling. And on Friday Night SmackDown this past weekend, something happened that could end up being huge. And I promise we won't get too deep in the wrestling weeds here. We don't want to make this a story about wrestling, because uh, this could be a story about mainstream entertainment. And Because what happened was it appeared to take away a main event spot for WrestleMania 40 to from somebody so that he could finally take on his cousin, Roman Reigns, which is something that has been rumored for years. So to me, getting The Rock involved in what's already a big event, I mean, it's WrestleMania 40, for God's sake. But getting a big star like The Rock in the card seems to me that would be huge for WWE. But, but, WWE fans over the weekend were enraged that the main event for WrestleMania appeared to have been stolen from Cody Rhodes, the American nightmare, son of the legendary American dream, Dusty Rhodes. And now I'm hearing, Greg, there's potentially much more to this, than meets the eye. Okay,
1: I have no idea what any of this is.
4: So now, I, you, now you know how I feel every time we talk
6: about hockey.
1: I'm on top of all this, right? Of course. Uh, so we have this I am on top of. We have the sex investigation into former WWE boss Vince McMahon. And we have The Rock recently joining the board of the parent company, TKO. So there's all sorts of drama as we head towards WrestleMania 40 in April. One of our colleagues is... a. Uh, Big wrestling fan, Ed Garcia from Power 97 Afternoons with Ed Nicole joins us in the studio now. Uh, Ed, I gotta ask you, why are the fans upset? Well, I forget who
4: told me, like, when you're booking wrestling, there are three things you gotta know: uh, who's fighting, when are they fighting, why are they fighting, why is a big one, but who you know, you gotta know, it's, it's gotta be a match that people are interested in, when, uh, well, you know, WrestleMania. This is the biggest night of the the year for wrestling. That's like the wrestling Super Bowl. That's when most eyes are going to be on there. And why is a big thing. And you mentioned the story of uh, Rock the uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, uh, wanting to wrestle his cousin Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns has been WWE champion for like. A long time. It's been, like, more than 1,000 days. He's closing in on a, a record by, uh, like, Hulk Hogan and Bruno San Martino for, like, the longest reigning WWE champion. And he's been the WWE champion. There's, there's like, two world title belts, and one's kind of, like, one they bring in every couple of years. They'll, like, unite the belts. Then, like, they'll bring in another world title. And like, okay, this is the universal title. This is the whatever title. No, this is the old school one that goes back to, like, Buddy Rogers and Bruno San Martino and, and superstar Billy Graham. And it's the belt that Cody Rhodes' dad, the American dream death to the baby, uh, that's the belt that he wanted to win and could never win. He was, he was the NWA champion, uh, but he could never be WWE champion. So when Cody Rhodes wrestled for WWE a long time ago, uh, he was kind of like a, a middling... A mid-card guy, right? He was like a tag team champion. He was an intercontinental champion. But he was a guy that they never thought, like, this is a guy we'll put on, you know, uh, the, the main event, the marquee of WrestleMania. We won't have him win a Royal Rumble. And he was like, well, why not? You keep on saddling me with these bad gimmicks, these weird gimmicks. Let me be me dialed up to 11 and let's see what happens. They're like, nah. So he's like, you know what? Fine. He leaves WWE. Cody Rhodes goes to uh, Ring of Honor, becomes their world champion, uh, wrestles in New Japan, starts a company called AEW All Elite Wrestling, which is the first real competition WWE has had in 20 years since WCW uh, closed its doors and um, comes back to WWE because he's like, I have unfinished business. I have to finish the story that my daddy, Death Road, the American Dream, uh, couldn't finish. And they've been telling this story for two years, right? He came back, he tore his pectoral muscle and like gutted out a performance. Like if you saw the match, like his, his entire chest was purple oh. and, and he was yeah, like, it was tough. And he was off. He was off wrestling for like six months, nine months. I forget how it was. And he comes back last year at the Royal Rumble wins the Royal Rumble. And like for the last 30 years, if you win the Royal Rumble, it's like a 30 man battle Royal. There's a women's version as well, but they'll stick with the men's part here. Um, if you win the, the the Royal Rumble, you get a shot at the world title at WrestleMania. That's how it's been, with a few exceptions here and there, uh, since 1993. And last year, he wins the Royal Rumble, goes to WrestleMania. Everyone's like, oh, he's going to finish the story. And he loses to Roman Reigns. But... With like outside interference, you know, it was a kind of a schmoz job. They're like, okay, is this the thing in wrestling where like, okay, we're gonna we're kinda not gonna give you what you want yet, right? It's kind of that, that game of keep away, right? The the bad guy will keep the world title and you got we're gonna string you along, string you along. Just and,
1: when you thought you were gonna get what you want. Yeah,
4: exactly. And like that's what Ric Flair did as champion uh in the eighties, uh, for like the entire decade. That's what Triple H did as champion in the two thousands. So, like, okay, this is what they're doing the Ro- Roman Reigns. Okay, Cody wins the Royal Rumble, just what? A week ago, uh, and off to WrestleMania. Here we go. Here's the redemption. Here's his second crack at it, and then Friday Night SmackDown. As as Brett was saying, so Cody comes out, has his big speech, and says, "I still want that title. That's the title my dad couldn't win, but not yet." And in comes The Rock, and The Rock, and and uh, and Roman have their stare down, and then everyone's like, "Huh? What?" Because storyline didn't make. You spent two years leading up to this story of like finally when everybody was uh, up. Uh, you know, for him. And I get it. A lot of people want to see the rock versus Roman as well. So you have two different storylines that people are wanting, but like for Cody, it just doesn't make sense for what they've set up that he's just like, just won the Royal rumble a week ago. If you wanted the rock to be in the main event, why didn't you have the rock come in and win the Royal rumble a week ago?
0: Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't quite get it. And I'm wondering, are they because there is some outside stuff happening <laughs> with the WWE as it pertains to the former boss, Vince McMahon? I mean, are they bringing in The Rock as some sort of potential damage control?
4: Yeah. I mean, there, there there's there's the conspiracy there, out there that the whole thing with bringing in The Rock, the whole thing with Uh, because nobody's talking about Vince McMahon right now, right? The whole weekend, all the wrestling news was what's happening. Like, how how dare they take this shot away from Cody? Uh, The Rock is being a jerk. Because, like, also beyond this, like you mentioned, The Rock is on uh, the board of directors for TKO. So he's kind of like the boss. And he can just walk in and say, like, okay, I I want main event at WrestleMania, even though like he's a big enough star, he doesn't have to say that. Um, it just doesn't make sense for, it, 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 you got two worlds going here, right? The the, the wrestling fan who's been watching uh, Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown this entire time and has been, you know, being told this story. Uh, and then there's the casual fan who probably only shows up at Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, and that's kind of it. Who, okay, Cody's fine, but this is Rock the Dwayne Johnson this is one of the biggest movie stars on the planet uh the most electrifying uh superstar in WWE history of course you put put him in the main event but it doesn't make any sense with what they've set up the last 2 3 months
0: yeah well and that, that's that like that that was i had a bit of a Uh, back and forth with a buddy over the weekend who is a passionate wrestling fan like you are. And I'm a wrestling fan, but not nearly as much as I used to be. You know, I was at WrestleMania X7 in Houston uh, through a contest they won at Power 97 (laughs) before I was an employee in this building. So, I mean, I love wrestling. I, I get it. But this was, I was exactly that fan you just described. When I heard that The Rock was going to be main eventing at WrestleMania, the first thing I did was sought out what happened in this segment on SmackDown and I could tell that Cody was being shuffled aside and I didn't care because it's The <laughs> Rock. And I that to me that's kind of what the WWE would be going for but then to see the fans sort of push back like that sort of ties into what what makes wrestling fans pretty unique I think in terms of, of as a fandom because they are so so yeah. passionate.
4: Yeah? I mean if you if you're watching the show every week and you're being fed the story and you're being told like you know the way you react to the matches, the way you react to the characters is what gets guys uh, pushes and what gets guys demoted. And if you've been backing this one guy for the biggest moment of the year, then all of a sudden, like, well, you we actually, remember that guy you used to like 10 years ago? He's coming back, so he's and he's a bigger star outside of wrestling. We're going to bring him in. A similar thing happened uh, right before WrestleMania 30 uh, with Daniel Bryan. He was the kind of guy that, uh, like, like Cody Rhodes, the fans were getting behind, but, like, that wasn't in... WWE's plans and they didn't actually have him win the Royal Rumble. They had uh, uh Batista uh, who at the time uh was just starting his movie career. I think Guardians of the Galaxy had uh, was just going to come out. So they're like, "Oh, okay, let's let's take the guy who's uh, who's going to be a big movie star soon, and let's put him in the main event of WrestleMania. And the fans just revolted and to the point where they actually changed their plans. Like, actually, just kidding. We meant to put Daniel Bryan in the main event this entire time.
1: So they do make mistakes in terms of oh, yeah. the, who, they, who they promote, who they put up. Do they listen to the fans? Or does it typically go the other way where they have different ideas like the Dave Bautista thing and they ultimately end up fracturing uh f- fan engagement well we're gonna see what happens right with that one they caved
4: they caved and they let Daniel Bryan have his moment uh beating Batista and Randy Wharton at the main event of Wrestlemania other times and the last you know couple of years Roman Reigns has gotten a lot of heat because they keep on pushing him the fans are like we don't want this guy why do you keep on like shoving him down our throat and they that's why they turned him into a bad guy and like okay it makes more sense we can go and boo him um But yeah, they've reversed course sometimes, but other times they've been headstrong. And it's not sure, like, are they going to keep headstrong? Is this part of the whole thing? But like, it's like, okay, if they put Cody back into it, why did he give up his title shot just so willingly on Friday? Like, it doesn't make sense to any storyline.
0: So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, and I'm hearing this whole thing could just be a, a work, as they call it. Yep. It could be the storyline. Who knows? But I'm very curious to see. Especially, like I said, you, you, once you involve The Rock, especially at a WrestleMania, at WrestleMania 40, then to me, that gets a lot of eyeballs paying attention whether it's the right call or not. But, G-Mac, when, before we let Ed go, we got to ask about something you, you realized he was up to on Friday.
1: You got to meet Tom Morello. From That's Rage right. Against the machine. Yeah, what the heck, man? I knew Tom Morello was here and I knew he was doing something at the at the museum. How did you how did you get in on that? Did you guys not get the email? We sent you guys an email about this. <laughs> did you really? Yeah.
4: Colin, our promotions manager, like, let uh, Global know and let CJOB be, you know, hey, Tom Morello is coming to town. I knew he was coming to town. Uh, he's going to have a press conference at noon on Friday. Does anybody else want to go? And nobody, like, got back to him. So, so Colin was like, okay, Ed, let's go. And so, like, I got to ask him a couple questions. Uh, I got to shake his hand on the way out. I'll be forever mad at Colin because he didn't get video of me shaking Tom Morello's oh, hand. My
1: word. I'm looking at the email right now. <laughs>
4: Great, do you want your name on the list? Really? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you guys could have met Tom Rello. like, like the, oh, my word! The guys at Global didn't even, like, we had to go, like, film it on an iPhone instead of, like, bringing, like, a proper camera from Global.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I got that email. I'm not entirely sure. I would probably, wouldn't, uh, that, that, that that's totally Greg's thing anyway. Uh, but that's cool that you got to me- at least meet him. Yeah. Even though you don't necessarily have any proof of it. I, did it, of I
1: believe you. There, there's
4: audio of me asking my question.
0: Okay, there you go. <laughs> well, hey Ed, thanks for uh, your insight on the wrestling stuff and for bringing it down to a level that is, you know, a bit more street level. We appreciate that, and I'm looking forward to. Are you going out to watch it again this year, like last year? Yeah, we'll
4: probably do the same thing. Okay, good. I'm in for Saturday for sure.